Bibles with me to Matthew 28, and can I get you all to stand in honor of God's Word? Matthew 28, thanks, fellas. Good work. How many of you know those children's workers are going to sleep good tonight? It says, early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there. Remember what I've told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened but also filled with great joy and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them and they ran to him and grasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. Father in heaven, those words are just as alive as they were when they were first written. Father God, I thank you for the empty tomb. Father God, I thank you for all that Jesus purchased on the cross and confirmed with the resurrection. Father, thank you that today we gather as believers because there was a resurrection. And Father God, I thank you that today we will walk away not only knowing him, but living in the power of his resurrection, just like Philippians 3.10 says. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. So why is celebrating the resurrection so important? Why is Easter Sunday such a big deal because on the church calendar, there is no greater day than Easter Sunday. There is no greater week than Holy Week. Why? Because everything that we believe as Christians revolves around it. Everything that we believe revolves around it. The New American Commentary says, Christ's resurrection and exaltation forms the central event of Christian history and New Testament theology. So we're going to look today at scripture that confirms this. From our salvation to Jesus' return, we're going to discover the significance of the resurrection this morning. So let's jump into the word. No better place to start than fresh out of the upper room, Acts chapter 2, the birth of what we now enjoy as the church. Acts 2, look at 36. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, this promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. We see that salvation 
water baptism, and Holy Spirit baptism are all available today because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Go to Ephesians chapter 1 with me. And if you've got a digital device, I'll try to take my time. It's E-P-H-E-S-I-A-N-S. Ephesians 1. Look at 19. So one of the Ephesians prayers, and I want you to notice this. It says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It's made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Keep reading chapter 2. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world obeying the devil, the commander, the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he's done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation's not a reward for the good things we've done so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I love Ephesians 2.4. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Ephesians 2.6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. And how is that possible? It's possible because of Ephesians 2.8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. This is astounding to me. Astounding to me that Jesus paid so great a price. Lisa referred to it, his suffering, his torturous suffering and torment. He dies, he's buried, he rises from the dead so that all you and I would have to do is believe on him. That's it, all we have to do is believe on him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And by, by grace through faith, we are changed on the inside, we are made new on the inside, never to be the same again. Think about the fact that you have been so inexplicably transformed by the power of God. That's why Paul said it in Philippians 3.10, that we can know him and the power of his resurrection. And again, Paul in, in Romans 1 said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. All of these things are available because Jesus died, was buried, and he, and he rose again. All of these things are available. So we're not just gathering to, to honor what God has done. We are experiencing the very same power that raised Christ from the dead. 
The Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you who believe. So everything that we're enjoying is not some, some, something that we're looking back and reflecting upon because, you know, God became man and died and was buried. No, 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 we're experiencing it. We're experiencing the resurrection. We're experiencing the new life that Jesus paid and purchased for us. This isn't hype. This isn't some great big huge mass hypnotism in the church today. No, this is an experience that is ongoing. The Bible says that we're not just saved, we are being saved. We're being saved. It's a continual, it's a progress, it's a growth. So nobody's buying into something and being convinced of something. They've been changed by Jesus Christ. I'm more than convinced, I've experienced, and you can talk me out of a mindset you can talk me out of an opinion and a view, but you cannot talk me out of what I have experienced firsthand. And if I had not experienced that firsthand, well, man, I'd still be smoking weed and snorting coke and getting drunk just like I was. But I'm not because I'm changed. And when you get filled by Jesus, you don't need those other things. You have to try to force that back in. You've got to try to find a place for those things. You don't need it. You don't want it because you're so full of God when you receive what he's done for you, amen? If you've experienced that, say amen. amen. So what else was provided by God through Jesus' resurrection? It's gonna be some good stuff. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. Hopefully even some of the questions that you've been asked will be answered today as we look at some verses. 1 Corinthians 15. Notice the language here. And in the New Living that I'm reading out of, instead of gospel, it'll say good news because that's what the word gospel means. It means the good news. It says, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news or the gospel I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. So what Paul is now gonna do is he is gonna tell you exactly what the gospel is. Well, Pastor John, what is the gospel? What is the good news? We're gonna read it right now. Look at verse three. I passed on you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried, he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter, then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Because of the resurrection, we have the gospel. We have the good news. And that gospel or good news is very simply this, that Christ was died, that Christ was buried, that Christ rose again on the third day and he was seen by over 500 people in his resurrected state. That's the gospel. That's what the gospel is that Christ died, that he was buried, that he rose on the third day, and that he was seen by over 500 people in his resurrected state. That's the gospel. That's it. And that's what we want furthered. And Pastor John, why? Because it's the gospel that has the power to change one's life. That every time the gospel goes out and every time it goes forth, it has the power, holds the power to change anyone's life. Anyone's life. For some more good news, go to first. Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians 4. I want to draw your attention to maybe something you've read and hadn't noticed before, but in light of Easter Sunday, it should take on a fresh and a new meaning. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. 
This is so good. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you'll not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring him back with him, bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. I don't know if you put two and two together, but Jesus' resurrection guarantees Jesus' return. Jesus' resurrection guarantees that he's returning again. You might have an argument if he never rose, but he was seen in his resurrected state by over 500 people. Jesus' resurrection guarantees that he's coming back again. And the Bible says that the same way that he left is going to be the way that he returns. And out of all the things that we're supposed to encourage each other with, it's this that we're supposed to encourage one another with. In fact, it's the very reason why we attend church. Isn't that what Hebrews 10, 25 says? Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but exhort one another so much more as you see the day, capital D, approaching. It's Jesus' return. It's Jesus' return. So we are preaching the resurrection until Jesus' return. Why? Because the resurrection is the guarantee of his return. The believers who have died will return with him. Those who are still alive will meet him in the air. It's the Bible. That's scripture. That's the gospel that he died, was buried, rose again, seen by over 500. His resurrection guarantees his return. And then let's close with one last portion of scripture. 1 Corinthians 15. I thought this was so powerful that I wanted to close with it today. We believe in the Bible here at Restore Church. Look at verse 12. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, so can't think of a better Easter portion of scripture, why are some of you saying that there'll be no resurrection of the dead? For if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is, youth, is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we've said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you're all guilty of your sins. In that case, all who've died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we're more, we're more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as a first to the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come. 
when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power, for Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scriptures say God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself who gave Christ his authority. Then when all things are under his authority, the son will put himself under God's authority so that God who gave his son authority over all things will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. All of the things that we are so concerned about now, why? Why hasn't God done anything? Why does God allow this and why? Don't worry, he's gonna take care of it. He's gonna take care of it all in his good timing and his timing is always good. Might not be fast enough for you, but it's perfect according to him. And I'm good with God's timing. I'm good with God's timing. And those that have gone too early and too soon, don't worry, they're with him. If they knew him, they're with him. They're with him. They couldn't be in a better place. Those children that never saw, never saw this world, their first home was heaven and it's all they'll ever know. Don't worry, God is in control and he's gonna take care of everything everywhere. He's going to deal with it all. And the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead says it's going to happen. Bible says that Jesus is the first fruits or he is the first of the harvest. He is the first of the guarantee. Farming terms, first fruits are the beginning of the crop that's begun to come in that guarantees that the rest will surely come. Jesus being raised from the dead is the guarantee. He's the first fruits of the harvest that guarantees that the rest are going to be harvested too. So rest assured, rest assured, all of your prayers are going to get answered one day. All of the questions that you have will get answered one day. There won't be a doubt in your heart or in your mind until then. Until then, we encourage one another with the fact that Jesus came, he died, he was buried, and he rose again, and he was seen risen. It's not a rumor. Over 500 saw him risen. We honor the resurrection today because it spells life for you and me and for all who believe. And you could be here today, and you could have been asked to come to church. I mean, it's Easter Sunday. I mean, what kind of hard-hearted son, daughter, grandson, granddaughter would you be if you chose not to come to church on Easter? But maybe you can't see a significance or a reason in, in attending church. Pastor John, why should I come? Man, it's just a bunch of people that, no, 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 no. Bible says that the church is Christ's body. And it says that we gather and should not forsake our assembling together so that we can encourage and exhort one another. And we exhort one another with the fact that Jesus did come, that he did die, that he was risen. That's why the Bible in the book of Revelation refers to him who was and is and is to come. Same one who was and is and is to come. He'll surely return because he surely came the first time. He'll surely return because he died, was buried, and he was resurrected the first time. He'll surely return. And the same way that he'll return is the same way that he left. And he's going to come back to the Mount of Olives, Scripture says. He's going to walk through the eastern gate. This is all prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled, and every other prophecy has been fulfilled. And so maybe you haven't made a decision today. Maybe you were raised in the church and you kind of fell out of sorts with the church. Maybe you were offended by a pastor. Maybe you were offended by people that called themselves Christians. And your excuses might number many. I just want to say this. What does that have to do with you and Jesus? What does that have to do with you and Jesus? The Bible says, is Christ divided? No. If Christ isn't divided, then why would the body of Christ be divided? 
Why are we finding so many differences to split us apart when it should all be unified under Christ Jesus? And I'm pleading with you as a pastor who's been in this area now for over 20 years to come back to Jesus if you've been away. Come back. I mean, if you're looking for imperfections in the church and in church leadership, you're going to find it. Start with me. You're going to find it. Hang around, me, hang around me for a week, and I'll give you plenty of excuses why you shouldn't go to church. I'm sure you'll find something. But if you're looking for Jesus, and you're looking to Jesus, and your confidence isn't in all the people that you're surrounded by, then you're going to keep growing, and you're going to come to know him in greater depths and in greater ways because nobody's going to exhaust Jesus Christ. And think about it. Don't we sing it when we've been there 10,000 years bright, shining as the sun? We've no less days to sing his praise than when we first begun. Think about it. 10,000 years. The Bible says with a day, it's with the Lord, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. God will never grow old. God will always be new. Think about that. He not only makes all things new, but he is forever new. Don't you think that it would be exhausting for thousands and thousands of years to be praising God in heaven? Why isn't it? Because he is always brand new. You always see a facet of God forever. You will see facets of God that you've never seen before. And here on earth, as we pursue a relationship with the living God, we are always coming to grasp things that we didn't before. Pastor John, I've been there and done that. I don't think so. I don't think so. There is no t-shirt to buy. There is no arriving at a place of spiritual maturity where you can no longer grow. There is always more of Jesus to know. Always more of Jesus to know. And the people that struggle are the people that get stuck in a mindset that says that what I grew up believing or what I've come to know thus far, it's the end all, it's the be all, and it's all, and it's all that it'll ever be. And I'm telling you, that is not Jesus. He makes everything new. Have you grown old today? Have you grown old? Has your heart become like those wineskins that are old and God wants to pour something new in? Has your heart become like those old clothes that God wants to sew a new patch on and when he does, it tears? I believe God wants to do a work in the church today. And I have said for a long time that any work of God always has the dead in Christ rising first. And I believe what God wants to do in this area before any great move of God comes is that the dead in Christ are gonna come to life again. Those that once knew him and walked with him are going to come to life again. And they're going to model before the families the faith that they once walked in, the faith that they once believed, the faith in Jesus Christ that they once had. It's time to come to life again. God's doing a work in our midst in this area with our children, with our young people. He's doing a deep and a profound work. And if you do not come alive in Christ again, if you do not come back to him Repent of every mindset that you have. Forgive everyone that ever hurt you, said anything nasty to you. If you don't, those youth are going to pass you by. Like the famous Tigers broadcaster would say, like the house on the side of the road, you're going to get past. And church, may it never be. I think those of us who've been walking with the Lord for a long time should be teaching the younger Please don't make them learn on their own. 
be there for him. I think the greatest gift the body of Christ has are the saints that have been walking with him for years and years and years and still love him and are still alive with him. And no matter how old they are, outwardly their hearts are as new as the day that they got saved. And I want to be able to pray for you today. I want you to come back to the Lord if you've been away. I want you to come into a relationship with the living God. He is alive and you can know him. Anything else is a bold-faced lie. He is alive and you can know him. What kind of God would he be to, to, to claim that he's alive and then say, you can't know me? Why do you think Jesus died? He didn't die so that we could find a church to attend. He died so that we could have a relationship with him. He purchased what only God could for us so that we could know him. That's why Paul said in Philippians 3.10 that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. You can know him. In a powerful way, you can know him. 2 Timothy 3 says that in the last days there will be perilous times, dangerous times. And it describes the last days unchurch, the unloving, the unforgiving. And then it says that those kind of people in the last days will hold to a form of godliness, but they'll deny its power. See, I don't want a form. I don't want a form. I don't want a formula. I want Jesus. And I'm still chasing him hard. And I still love him now 35 years later. And he loves me. And he'll tell you. And he'll reveal himself to you in the most wonderful and the most beautiful ways. Pastor John, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying, but what if I don't like the changed me? I don't know about you, but I don't know of anyone that ever disliked brand new. And that's what the Bible says you become. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Brand spanking new. Jesus said it. I make all things new. All things new. He's not just going to change you. He's going to transform you and make you new. That's what the word transformation means. It's where we get the word metamorphosis from. You're like someone that you've never been before. Look it up in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Behold, all things become new. If you look up that word new, it means prototype. It means the first of its kind never existed before. When I became a Christian, I invited Jesus into my heart. I became a, a, a John Prominsky that I never was before. He made me new. Not better, new. Not a better version of me, a new. A new version of me and you can be new I believe there are people in this room that have been struggling with depression and suicide he'll make you new I believe there are people in this room that have been crushed through relationships he'll make you new well, what about all of them it's not, at all, it's not about all of them it's about you and him what can you do about someone else Yes, you can be a witness to him. Yes, you can tell him about Jesus. 
But change always starts with us. Always starts with us. And I want to be able to pray with you today. I'm sure we've got some smart people in this room. But how do you reason away a living God? How do you explain away Jesus Christ? You can't deny that he existed. Our very timeline says that he does, B-C-A-D. So he existed. Well, now what do you do with the fact that he existed? Well, now you've got to try to explain away whether or not he was God. Well, he said that he was God. So he was either insane and he was a madman or he was exactly who he said he was, Jesus Christ. And then he died and then he was buried and then he rose again and he was seen by a whole bunch of people seen, resurrected. What do you do with that? What do you, how do you reconcile that? That God became man for you and died and paid for something you could never pay for, yet we're going to be held responsible for, going to have to give an account for. He did it all for you. Did it all for you. How do you not respond to that? All you got to do is belief. You got to believe. Got to believe. So I want to pray with you and I want to give you an opportunity to believe. I believe that I would be wrong to preach a message like this and not give an opportunity for you to respond. You could have been raised in the church. You could have been a preacher's kid. You could have been in ministry and now are hurting and disillusioned with it all. What those people said and did, no one's saying is right, but what does that have to do with you and Jesus? Isn't he still alive and on the throne? Doesn't he still save and heal, restore, renew, reconcile? Doesn't he still do all of that? If he did it when you believed, doesn't he still do it now? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Saints, pray. Could I ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads with me?